It takes more than holding your conference t-shirts up to your nose and taking a big whiff to remember the before times to be a great software engineer. This is episode 253 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. It's been so long that conference t-shirts are starting to rotate out of my wardrobe, like they're wearing out without being replaced. <laughs> normally the replacement rate... Like threadbare. Yeah, normally I donate lots of them because I, the incoming volume is enough that it's more than I can fit on my body at once. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's a good thing you had an emergency fund of t-shirts ready to go. I did, yeah. Several years. It's getting depleted now. Lots of my shirts have collars now. My wife is very excited about this opportunity. (laughs) I make up for it by wearing sweatpants, I guess. (laughs) Dave, do you want to thank our patrons? Yeah, I want to say thank you to those that are contributing at the level that gets them a weekly shout out. They are Monkey Face Emoji, which we were previously calling question mark due to CSV import export problems. We were right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. now, if I had called, this is a question mark, but actually I can tell by by the shape of the bits, this is a monkey face emoji. Then that would have been another level of <laughs> being impressed. And, and lest anyone worry, this monkey face is actually the name of the emoji on Emojipedia. So <laughs> that's what this is. <laughs> it's very small. So I was cool. wondering if maybe I had misidentified it, but no, monkey face emoji. Thank you. The other people on the list are Jonathan King, testing his documenting.org, Adrian Bordink, Roman Denisov, FizzBuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadiyi, Kjarn Sveinsson, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Kane, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Chris Hogan, the Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Kantar, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to join this group or just join our Slack community, all you have to do is go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Any dollar amount will get you an invite to our Slack community and... A larger dollar amount will get your name spoken on the air. Or emoji. Or bad representation of an emoji due to non-UTF-8 import-export problems. Yeah. Just save us time and send us the raw sigils. Think of the string of emojis you could put together and make us say. And what price tag you would put on that. There's probably some kind of brewing like emoji-only language mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of just bubbling out there. I'm going to read our first question instead of theorize about linguistics. This is from an anonymous listener. Thanks for the show. I absolutely love getting awkward glances from people when I laugh out loud randomly in public places. I have been at my first job for two years, including an internship. The work I got to do as an intern was absolutely brilliant, and I learned new things almost every day. Then I joined as a full-time employee, and things were good at first. For the past year, things have gone downhill. I barely get to write code and spend most of my time reviewing and writing documents in Excel and Word. I find this unsatisfying and can barely get the work assigned to me done due to lack of motivation and interest. However, I am fairly convinced that the compensation and other perks I get here, as well as the coworkers and management here, are some of the best I could find. Should I follow the soft skills engineering advice and quit, or should I stick around because of all the other favorable conditions I mentioned? In other words... How should I decide between satisfying work versus favorable conditions? Mm, favorable. Mm. <laughs> what would you say? Favorable, meaning my coworkers are nice. <laughs> they said the salary and management and perks are good. How would you know, though, if it's your first job, yeah. including an internship? 
especially management. I feel like salary, you can talk to people, but I, I had no idea what engineering management was for like the first five years of my career. Like, how would I tell if someone is good at this or not? I, it's impossible. You're like, well, they hardly ever whip me. Yeah. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Keep the ball pit stocked up and yeah, leave me alone. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> That last one is pretty good, though. The leave me alone comment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. One of my one of the managers that reports to me is out on leave, and it means I'm talking directly a lot more to the individual contributors on their team, and I can't help but feel guilty every time I do it. Every time I do it, I, I wonder, do they just really want their boss back so that they have another <laughs> layer between them and me <laughs> to insulate themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They probably do. I mean, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but <laughs> just kidding. I here's the crazy part. I set I set an hour of my week aside every week just so I can hear your voice, and I think they're lucky. Ah, that's true. I'll tell them people pay for this opportunity, like <laughs> sort of pay with the attention. I guess I, don't I know. pay in the form of opportunity cost. Yeah. So the first thing you should do is talk to your boss. That's maybe the, is that the second most popular advice we give after quit your job? Quit your job, but if you don't want to quit your job, talk to your boss. <laughs> yeah, talk to your manager. Tell them your concerns about how you're spending less time writing code and, and it's affecting your work performance because maybe there's nothing they can do. Maybe they'll say, that's too bad. This is the work that has to get done. And I hope you change yourself into a person that likes this. But it's very possible that there are other options here and, and you just don't know them from not mentioning anything yeah maybe maybe you're that very agreeable person on the team who gets oh yeah maybe all... you got all the glue work yep and glue work here is a lot of excel yeah and your boss just appreciates you so much but you're the only one not complaining about having to write excel spreadsheets all day <laughs> yeah i mean ultimately your manager's choice is get someone else to do this work or get someone else to do this work right like either they help you transition to something you're more excited about or focus on other other things at work or eventually you will probably quit because of this <laughs> and then they'll still need to find some other way to get this work done. Yeah. Put it to them that way. <laughs> <laughs> eventually I'll quit. You have three months. Yeah. Make, it, make it fixed. <laughs> um, I think another thing that makes this more urgent is the first job for two years piece. I'm assuming this person is a software developer and they're interested in in progressing technically in their career. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty important that you get very hands-on in those beginning parts of your career. Oh, yeah. They have a, a big effect on your trajectory, or they can. And this could cost you. I mean, you're, you're missing out on valuable technical experience right now. You have just changed lanes into the Excel engineer career track, potentially. Yeah. It's time to put the blinker on and change back. Often, like management or business analyst or product manager, or I don't know, there, there are a bunch of other roles that are kind of tech adjacent that involve a lot of Excel and Word. Yep. If you really want to be a developer, though, then then it's harder to do that the longer you spend doing this other stuff. Yeah. Not to put pressure on you or anything. Too late. But, <laughs> yep. I'm, there I'm pretty sure we answered a question about someone who had a slow start to their career and i feel like the gist of the answer was like it's fine don't worry about it you'll catch up and this is someone who's in the middle of slowing down the start of their career and and i'm saying you better change it now <laughs> yeah it's true well i have a couple of ideas for how to do that 
The first one is when, when I get a job I don't want to do, the best thing I've found to do is just do a very, very bad job at it. So <laughs> I suggest take this next request to create an Excel spreadsheet. And when you give it back, make sure like all the text is like upside down. The columns are rows and the rows are columns and be like, this is my best work. Here you go. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to. I decided to change instead of using rows and columns, I actually just put every tab is one cell. So <laughs> there's 4,000 tabs and the formulas are all huge. Uh, that is actually literally what I did with, well, not tab as cell thing, but doing a bad job at Excel was how I did an Excel task. And then someone came in and took it away from me. <laughs> and I don't think that was my intention, but it just happened naturally <laughs> sub subconsciously. <laughs> I'm sure a part of me was was pumped about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were like, Jameson, um, thank you for your work, I think. Um, why don't you go back to writing code? Good effort. Good try. <laughs> uh, Excel and Word Docs, though, that, that is a lot of my job. And that job would be a lot harder if I didn't have a strong technical base from... Yep. Lots of learning as an individual contributor and writing code. Yeah, I'm not saying Excel is bad. I'm just saying it's bad right now for this person. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad for this career. Yeah, if, if at this that's moment, the career you want. Yeah, but I, I gotta say, um, strong Excel chops are really, really valuable, and Google Sheets too are really, really valuable in a management role. But you know what's even more valuable? Knowing what your engineers are talking about when they talk about their job. <laughs> <laughs> How should I decide? Oh, okay, so. You sub you submitted one solution, which was do a poor job on purpose. Mm -hmm. Let's say I don't want to do that for some reason. You just have too much pride. Yeah, I do. I want to do a great job, even on the stuff I hate. <laughs> I mean, you could delegate. You could outsource this, and then you could write code while you've got an outsourced army of engineers, or not engineers, but of uh, analysts working your Excel on the side. And then you could write code and produce amazing Excel results. I wonder if this is not every Excel or writing based problem is solvable by automation, but some of them are. Like, are you writing stuff because there aren't good systems in place to help people communicate? And is there is there something you could build that would automate away some of this work of excelling and wording? Yeah, because that's an opportunity. That's sort of like a classic origin story for developers too, is, is I was working at this job and then I saw I could make this thing faster. So I wrote a program and then nobody cares how hard the program is. They just care how much time it saves. And sometimes you can save a lot of time with some relatively simple stuff. Mm -hmm. So that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. In other words, take your non-coding tasks and turn them into coding tasks. Yeah. You can also make those take way longer <laughs> by doing that. <laughs> That's always True. an option. I spent 47 hours creating this automation yeah. to save myself 40 minutes once. Yep. <laughs> Boy, was it fun. Amortized, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to am far into the future. That will yeah, pay off. Yeah, think about this. <laughs> Thousands of years from now. This will have paid off. <laughs> You're just not thinking long-term enough. You're surrounded yeah. by short-term thinkers. Once the singularity has landed <laughs> and we're so advanced technologically that we can upload our brains, but also we haven't solved this problem of getting reports delivered from this department to that department, <laughs> that's yeah. when this automation will pay off. <laughs> 
that will allow me to live long enough or my consciousness at least to live long enough (laughs) um i feel like there's something in here about like value and someone maybe it's nobody maybe it's the system but some some entity somewhere believes that there is value in you doing this work and not other work Uh uh-huh it it might be that this work kind of sucks and there's like a harsh truth of it hurts the least to lose you on coding compared to other people on the team. Right. That might not also be the case, but that's that's a potential. Like someone is someone or some group of people are deliberately doing things that that came up with this result. And if you can demonstrate to them that it's more valuable for you to code, not just more satisfying, but like say these Excel sheets don't get done. Here's how it'll be worth it because I'll be doing this other thing instead. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a pitch of how to get out of it if if people are unconvinced or if they say it's it's too important we can't possibly have nobody do this work like you can't just stop doing this work because it'll have these costs you gotta you gotta make the value of you doing other work instead greater than those costs yes have we answered the question i think so except there's one thing i want to challenge about this question which is that the question asker says i think i'm paid really well and that's one thing that i think you should probably test by gathering real-world data for you. You've been at this job for two years. It's your first job. There's a, actually a pretty low chance that you're paid very well. Typically, mm. first jobs are... Most companies have a hard time keeping up with the market for first-time, first-job engineers. And yep. most engineers find that they can get a big pay bump by jumping to a, another company. And so the fact that you're not satisfied with your work and not growing into a more a more in-demand engineer because your skills aren't really, you know, your, your your truly valuable skills aren't being developed here, there's a good chance that I would say quit this job or at least go out and do some interviewing to see what the job market would pay you. Yeah. There's a really good chance you could actually be surprised and get a better job at the same time. Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's kind of circular logic, I guess, but there's this weird feeling that that people who sign the paychecks get sometimes where if they see someone doing excel spreadsheets sometimes they'll say like why are we paying that person so much to do excel or like if a, if a programmer or, or another person who is typically highly compensated is doing a task like that someone will say that needs to go to someone who is less expensive mm-hmm. so this could become a self-fulfilling prophecy in uh, a way. so you could be that person who becomes less expensive yeah you could or maybe the fact that you're doing it means that you are the person who is less expensive oh, oh, so to underscore okay. you're you're not as well compensated as you think all right. Now have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. Let's move on. It's your turn. Yeah, I will read our next one here. This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, I am a data scientist. I work on a team of about 30 other data scientists. It's a new team, and I have determined after talking to everyone for a few weeks that about one-third of them does not know Python. Two, even admitting to me privately that they lied in the interview. <laughs> And probably 50 to 60% have no idea what Git is. I feel like they hired a bunch of Excel, Tableau, businessy people and assumed any experience with data qualified you to do data science. You may say quit your job, but this is my first job out of college and I don't think I could find another job easily. Do I tell my manager about this? How do I teach them these things? I've already had to pick up a lot of slack on the team. Luckily, since I have no kids, no significant other, a ton of free time, and have been coding since middle school, it's been manageable. But I'm concerned about handle, how to handle this going forward. Huh. I wonder if the interviewer was just very easily 
convinced. So I imagine someone going into an interview and they ask them about data science and the, the person interviewing just says like, what is data really? And then they say some <laughs> nonsense. And, then, and what really is science, isn't it? And they say some other nonsense. And then it ends by saying, so really, aren't we all data scientists? And then the interviewer says, you're hired. You convinced me. Oh, my gosh. I, I got to say, I've been on the data science job market as a as an employer for the last little while and previously at another company. And there are a lot of fake data scientists out there. There really are. <laughs> Why? Is it because it's a, a in-demand field? I think, yes. So first of all, I think that the, the salary for a proper data scientist is very high. These people are compensated much higher than software engineers even. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, I think the title is not descriptive enough. It's like a very wide band. Yeah, like I can do that. I can do data. Yeah. I took science classes in high school. (laughs) (laughs) My phone has a data plan. Yeah. (laughs) I took science classes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I have a Star Wars costume. (laughs) No, not Star Wars. Oh, crucial error. Star Trek. I was talking about data. Oh, Lieutenant Commander Data. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a positronic net. (laughs) <laughs> anyway more star trek than i know so, <laughs> if i had a nickel for every time you've confused conflated star wars and star trek there are like so many nerds who are just throwing up in their mouth right now and unsubscribing uh, from the podcast i know listen that is not a mistake i've made this is 100 percent on you jameson <laughs> i have never conflated those two anyway if you are if you're leaving the community because you're appalled at me not liking star wars or star trek enough just know that dave makes up for it with vast expertise (laughs) come please come back (laughs) yes oh man anyway so yeah i think i think there's a lot of people who think well actually here's the crazy part data science does involve a lot of things that people do who are not data scientists such as just simple statistics and complex statistics too, but I'm just talking about the stuff that's more entry level. I mean, there's a lot of simple statistics. There's a lot of like spreadsheet jockeying. There's a lot of like data wrangling, like getting your hands on data. There's a lot of SQL. A lot of people are like, oh, I can do SQL. Maybe I'm a data scientist. But the fact is, yeah. data scientists do things that are way more sophisticated than that, but that that stuff, those skills are necessary to become a data scientist. So I think I think there's some confusion. Also, this field is extremely technical. And not just technical in a sense of like, I know how computers work, but technical in the sense of like academic, hard science technical. Like I can I can read and write academic papers technical, you know? <laughs> it's very different. So I think a lot of times people just don't know. That stuff is so opaque. They just don't really see it. Hmm. It's like they're hiring wizards. How do you know? I mean, I'm not a wizard. Yeah. And they're like, I can't really tell the difference between, I can't tell the difference between the powers of Gandalf the Grey and the powers of Saruman the White. You know, it's like... They're they're both pretty magical. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't know that that was just a level one cantrip. (laughs) It looked impressive. Like anyone could do that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. So it's hard to hire if you don't know what you're doing, and that might be the cause of this. I mean, what do they do now? Oh, for sure. And let me just say... I'm a pretty technical person, quote, technical person, but I've interviewed Mm -hmm. a bunch of data scientists and I cannot tell the good ones from the bad ones. I just can't distinguish them. 
But I have hmm. people that I trust, having worked with them for many years, who I'll put on the interview and they'll say, oh, yeah, that individual had no idea what they were talking about. And, um, and to me, they look exactly the same. So like, I just, yeah. I, can't, I can't do it. So this, they're lacking that crucial partner. Yes, exactly. So, so I'm not, I know we haven't even gotten close to solving this listener's problem yet, but I just want to say this is a, a big problem and it's a real, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to hire for these people. So I'm not surprised that you find yourself on a team, especially when this company appears to have hired what, 30 data scientists who are That's all new to money. the company. I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Yeah, that is so much money. Yeah, that is a lot of money. And not only that, but I, I'm just not at all surprised that a bunch of them turned out to be unqualified for the job. Like it takes just, just I'm sorry, another data point. This is something I'm, I'm just keenly aware of. It is so hard to hire these people. We would spend at my previous company, we could spend a year trying to fill a data science position. And in the end, the best we could do was to get someone in the inside the company to transfer to our team because we just couldn't find the people. They are so in demand and there's so few of them out there. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get off of that soapbox. Is this the kind of role that you can learn on the job, even if you start off as, an, as a know-nothing data scientist? Can you know a thing? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's hard because all the best data scientists I know have advanced degrees in a hard science. Yeah. Like these people have really been through the ringer. Yeah, and you you probably need a pretty deep math background to do the kind of data science that you're talking about. And math and stats and and just staying on top of this field is also very very time consuming and challenging. I do know one engineer who happens to be working with me now who who spent a lot of time not in data science but does have some pretty good academic credentials. Spent a lot of time in not data science and then transitioned to data science and is excellent at it. But hmm. most of the data scientists I know, who, by the way, they, they have all different names for themselves, research scientists, applied scientists, data scientists, all, you know, machine learning engineer, all of the ones I know, except this one, have like PhDs, and some have master's degrees. And so I don't know, I don't think I've ever seen a self-taught data scientist. They're probably out there. I mean, this information is available. It's not like, you know, it's not like you can't learn it. But it's way more yeah. rare to find a qualified, experienced data scientist who's self, who is self-taught as compared to a qualified, self-taught software engineer, which abound. There's tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I keep going back to that broad definition of the field where your definition is very, very technical, very academic, very advanced. And, and it sounds like their definition is someone who has heard of computers because <laughs> they do data stuff. Well, you know, another another anecdote is we, we actually engaged, my current company, we engaged a, a staffing agency to bring us a bunch of data science candidates. And the people we got, it matched this description. No coding chops, no R experience. You know, they've, they've yeah. been putting together business intelligence dashboards using Tableau, and they're great at what they do and very valuable, but they're not data scientists. But they've, they've been calling themselves that. Okay, I, got, I really got to stop. <laughs> this is out of control. So, yeah, you've defended the honor of data science. <laughs> it's it's pure. <laughs> it's not besmirched by lowly Excel jockeys. Do you think the question asker... So one thing you could do that might help it going forward, maybe, is tell someone at work that they have this problem. How, but But you're kind of... Not implicitly. You're explicitly throwing lots of people under the bus by doing that, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that would suck. 
hey, you know, all these people I work with, they're all bad. And <laughs> I am good at my job. Yeah, that's not going to got a big problem here. Like, what do you do about it now? You know? Yeah, that doesn't doesn't sound like a great, <laughs> a great conversation. Here's the thing. Good news. Your leadership is going to figure this out without you telling them. <laughs> yeah, once that $10 million a year of salaries yeah. <laughs> results in nothing or negative dollars. <laughs> yeah, they're going to figure this out. I mean, the difference between a data scientist who can produce working machine learning models and uh, actual you know, good, good results and someone who is kind of an Excel jockey tableau expert is it's a huge gulf between them and it will become apparent very quickly. So I, I don't, I don't think you need to worry about this that much, you know, find the people who know what they're doing, partner with them and start getting stuff done, build stuff. Just, in fact, this could be awesome for you. This, you could shine so bright in this sea. You have found the littlest pond. <laughs> <laughs> you're a big fish now. <laughs> you're a big fish struggling to breathe because you're sitting in a one inch puddle. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we are assuming that there's lots of machine learning stuff happening here, but maybe maybe they do just really need report, I don't know, reporting. Yeah, and maybe. I, I do think, yeah, I, I've seen the same thing of like data science is hot, call our product that does reporting a data science product or call mm -hmm. our skill set a data science skill set. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're fine. And so maybe, yeah, you got to figure that out because if the job description is actually way less demanding than you thought uh, it, this could be a problem for you in your career if you find out that actually all they needed was people to make tableau dashboards yeah and you're and you came in hoping to build the next tensorflow framework you know and uh whoops <laughs> that could be a problem for you i just don't know enough about this field i know there's a bunch of products out there to do magical machine learning things like all the cloud vendors have stuff can you get anything done with just paying a vendor to use their pipelines and models and like could you not know how to do the novel research or understand how the how the the models work and still get valuable stuff done well it depends on what your company wants to do if all they're trying to do is build a website where you can upload an image and it will tell you if there's a dog in the picture then you can use the off-the-shelf stuff you know <laughs> like that's like every demo ever yeah but if you are actually solving a problem that's not broadly solved like if, if it's not speech recognition and it's not image recognition you know yeah it's you you want to find if there's a dog in the picture but you don't want it to say there's a dog in the picture if someone holds up a piece of paper with the word dog written on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a novel problem yeah exactly a couple it, weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah i mean it really depends and, and so there, there's basically two levels of machine learning off-the-shelf solutions. And, and the, that first level I mentioned is basically you've got a problem that's really well solved in a generic domain, such as speech recognition, such as image recognition, and things like that uh, for like known entities. And then level two is like these cloud vendors provide some kind of framework for you where you can build your own models and use their tools to do it and then deploy them and, and use them at runtime. And if you're in, if your company is in that second camp where they need to build their own like domain specific models, you need to rent a bajillion GPUs. Yeah, to train exactly. Stuff and exactly. Like then your, yeah. your company's in trouble. But if your company is that first one where they've got a well solved AI problem on their hands and they just need someone to kind of glue the pieces together off the shelf, then you're fine. You're going to be great. 
I, I suspect this question asker won't be very happy at that kind of a job, but yeah. his workforce is probably qualified to do that. Hmm. Interesting. I know more than I did before this question. Oh, hardly. Come on. I... That's how I judge if they've been answered or not, not whether we help somebody. <laughs> so have we answered this question, Dave? Well, not not quite yet, because I think essentially all we've said is you're going to be fine. Don't worry. Oh, or go figure out what your company actually needs, and maybe you're overqualified. <laughs> it sounds but, so bad when you sum it up like that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I think most of our answers sound pretty bad when I sum them up. <laughs> That's why we don't anymore. We used to at the very beginning of the show. <laughs> but I think I like I'm having a hard time imagining myself going to my manager and saying, "Do you realize we've hired a bunch of phonies?" You know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think it would be I mean, good. They mentioned training, right? Like, do they should they hold a how to data science seminar? Yeah. See, and that's that's the question that I think they're asking, and and I'm saying I don't think that can be successful in a time frame that will work for most businesses. Hmm. You know, it's like that's like a two year training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your manager. Hey, can I like create a PhD program? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need some funding and we're not gonna get anything done and the code will be unusable by anyone else ever we're gonna go get accredited by the uh whatever association accredits phd programs yeah <laughs> call it a pivot and i'm gonna need to raise a hundred million dollars <laughs> you can have your name on the building though. <laughs> This company has such a bad track record of hiring data scientists that all the professors would just be tableau jockeys. <laughs> I have a PhD in tableau dashboards. Oh, and the the graduates can never tell that it was a fraud because they're incentivized to not expose it or their education is worthless. Yes, exactly. It's getting sinister. Yeah, I think you've got a, a solid business plan. <laughs> yeah, that's... Vaguely boot camp shaped right there <laughs> for some of the sketchier ones. <laughs> Your graduate. Oh boy. <sighs> yeah. I mean, this is a hard situation. And I suspect that this company has been growing really, really fast. So it's either going to flame out pretty quick or it's going to be wildly successful. And then there will have to be some, some org changes. One thing you could do is you could ask your manager to create kind of a different teams. You know, you could have the business intelligence team that manages things like Tableau and Excel and stuff like that. And then you could have the machine learning team that does model building and training and stuff like that. And I think that might work, except people might get their feelings hurt if they get on one team and not the other. Yeah, they would get their feelings hurt too if you told your boss they're all bad at their job and then your boss went over and said, hey, I heard from person X that you're bad at your job. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. So one phrase just stuck out to me again. I've already had to pick up a lot of slack on the team. You should be talking to your manager about that yes at the very least to make sure that they are recognizing that you are doing lots of stuff for them so that you can get rewarded not just so that you out other people for slacking off right but if you're just doing this silently and they don't know then you're setting expectations to a a level that is going to be hard for you to exceed later on exactly that's a great one right if you're the only person producing value and like the key cog in the in the machine of this team and everything is doomed without you. Like, how are you ever going to lobby for a raise? Yeah. Because they just look at what you're doing and think that's normal. That could be a very informative conversation for you. Because if you go and say, here's all the slack I'm picking up, example X, Y, and Z. And then they come back to you and say, why are you doing that? All we needed was a Tableau dashboard. <laughs> yeah. That'll be that'll tell you exactly what you need to know. Have we answered the question? Yes. Excellent. That was definitive. Yeah. I uh, data science did. 
the role of data science is to give very clear objective answers to questions that yeah, right. can be easily <laughs> right isn't that so i love i love that you said that because it's a perfect segue to one of my favorite data scientists had a mug that said being a statistician means never having to say you're certain <laughs> yeah cool well hold on now i gotta ask you was the question answered jameson well i'm no data science actually <laughs> i can't even i'm no i'm no talk I'm no talk. I'm no data scientist, so I'm going to say yes for sure this okay. time. <laughs> I was going to say 0.85 confidence in the high confidence bin. Yes. That's a non-normalized confidence, though. I didn't even know there could be high confidence bins. <laughs> Once you get above, like, p-values and t-tests, then it gets a little fuzzy for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? They can go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where we have our little form you can fill out and put as much detail in there as you want or not. We just want to say thank you to everyone who's done that. The backlog grows and so does our love for you. If only, imagine it worked like that at work, right? Like the bigger your backlog, the more stock options you got or something <laughs> like that, the tighter your camaraderie. Wouldn't that be, stock options would be hard to make happen, but I'm sure you could make the other thing happen. The camaraderie piece? Yeah, just you get closer together as your backlog grows. That's what backlog grooming is for. That's true. I mean, people do come together in foxholes, so <laughs> <laughs> adversity does create closeness. Yes. I think that means our show is done. Yep. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.